Hey, storytellers. If you like the show, you can find Life Narrated on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever streaming service you use. It really helps others find the podcast and validates our existence. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening. don't know what happened storytellers but for some reason the microphone didn't turn on so the audio is a bit rough i thought we were done making these mistakes but apparently not thanks for sticking with us and i hope this isn't completely unlistenable we do have a really great guest this time so um please listen anyway thanks Hello, storytellers, and welcome to Life Narrated, the podcast about life and the stories we tell. My name is Emily, and I just stayed for 22 months, and, and thus am not useful to humanity. My name's Lauren, and I am nothing more than a fox like a 100,000 other foxes. My name's Matt, and Disney's Robin Hood was a documentary about my fursona. My name is Allison, and I'm the laziest bear you've ever met. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about animal protagonists, and we have a special guest today, Allison, do you want to introduce yourself or maybe I should introduce you? Allison is a good friend of mine and she went with me to Egypt and I missed the opportunity to get her on our podcast about <laughs> Egypt. Maybe we'll have like a little download about it later yeah, <laughs> and we'll post that. Can you tell us uh, what your relationship is to animals in your daily life? In my daily life, I write about animals for kids, so I get to find out all the weirdest, grossest facts about <laughs> everything <laughs> and yeah, all the best things. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about about animals and all the things. I think what started this was that in my job as well, we talk a lot about in my job of how animals make people feel and how they make people buy things. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point someone said that this cover is too feminine and I was like why is it too feminine and they're like well it's got a koala on it yeah. <laughs> and that just like made so little sense to me but like they were adamant that koalas were way too feminine and so I was like what how do we how do we put these things on animals and like yeah like first of all why is that bad and second yeah. of all <laughs> like clearly the animal that has to feed its baby its own poop is masculine <laughs> like I didn't know that. I mean, (laughs) also the animal that always has chlamydia. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, come on. (laughs) So we're going to talk about this. I think, uh, Laura, you did some research on literature concerning animals. Yeah. So, like, I guess, kind of per our like structure style, I always like to go just go backwards. So we're going to be talking. You know, when we get into like our media and stuff, we're going to be talking about all kinds of different examples of this, but I really thought that Aesop's fables would be a good touchstone in terms of it's hellaciously old and <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. There while there are like human uh characters and stories about humans, the majority of Aesop's fables are about animals. Um so I was looking into like who Aesop was a little bit. So Aesop was he was Greek and he lived between um, 620 and 564 BC. And he was a slave and he was a storyteller. So it all of his stories were kind of um, about, it was, so, so he was telling these stories, it was an oral tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they weren't actually started to, like, get collected and written until about 300 years later. But when he was telling these stories, it was originally, it was all directed at adults, actually. Um, And it was addressing religious uh, themes, political themes, and then, like, like, social or cultural so it was all like these were these were stories being told for the entertainment and like purpose of uh, like educating adults, and then much later, once they started to be like written down, which I, I think I said was like yeah like three centuries later or something like that, um, in the during the Renaissance period of Europe, which I, I understand there are many Renaissance periods, it just said the Renaissance. So uh, a lot of these things came into Europe. And, and yeah, and, and became more about, like, the ethical guidelines. And they became directed at children. So it was a way to, like, help kids, like, learn a moral. Interesting. And, like, yeah. And so fables themselves, for anybody, like, like a fable is a made-up story that has some kind of moral to it. Um, or, like, some kind of truth, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the more um, famous ones... That again, I had I didn't really think of it as being attributed to Aesop, but it is. Uh, it's called the Fox and the Crane. Have you guys? Oh yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. There's like a jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the yeah. Fox and the Crane is actually kind of the basis for the Golden Rule. Oh. Because okay. the story goes that the fox invites the crane. And he's like, "Oh, come have a drink with me." Well, the fox has a bowl that he can. It's like a shallow bowl that he can like drink out of, and it's like, "Heh heh heh." Because uh, the crane obviously can't, like, drink, can't drink from it. it. Mm. So then the crane is like, you know, well, you should have a come drink with me. And it has, like, this really uh, long-necked vessel that the crane can drink out of, but the fox can't. And so the whole point, I guess, was that, one, if you trick people, you should expect to be tricked. Mm-hmm. And treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to offer somebody a drink, you should make sure they can actually get it out of the container or whatever. Those don't sound like they're good friends. Yeah. So, but, like, the the whole golden rule, that that whole, like, treat others how you want to be treated, is that's what it became. So, as the process of it being retold and restructured, because remember, like, Aesop was Greek, right? But now we're talking about, like, the Middle Ages and the Renaissance period and coming into, like, Christianity and how we, you know, appropriate stories and make them work within our own religious context and our moral codes. So that idea of, like, oh, if you're going to trick people, you should expect to get tricked slowly evolved into this, like, treat others the way you want to be treated. Like, why, why would you even... Invite somebody over well, if they can't drink out of your shallow bowl. The interesting part about it is that he chose a, a fox to be the trigger, the trickster. Um, yes, the initial. And was, yeah, and he was also one of the first um, people to write about wolves as protagonists. Right, um, like not like scary yeah. creatures. And he was actually accused of sacrilege, found guilty, and thrown off a cliff. FYI. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know that about well, him. <laughs> do we know why like he decided to write stories about animals rather than people? Because like, I was interested looking into if the Bible does the same thing of like teaching lessons with animals, and oh, it yeah. doesn't. No, no it doesn't. Yeah. So I wonder why kind of around the same time someone wouldn't. I think it's probably similar to the reason that Shakespeare, like, set all of his plays in, like, a far-off Italian landscape is because, um, you know, if you're talking about the monarchy and, like, the people 
people around you, you have to be like, oh, no, 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 this doesn't apply to you. This is, these are Italians. Don't worry. Exactly. Like, this doesn't apply to you. These are animals. Well, <laughs> yeah, those uh, Venetians. Remove it out of the context. We talked about this in our, like, uh, writing about difficult subjects episode where, like, one of those tri- things was like you had to remove it from the context of where it's at so people will ex- accept it as yeah. information instead of just like, oh, you're making fun of me or whatever. You know? Yeah, it's true. The Fictionalizing Recent History podcast. Um, go check it out. Yeah, yeah, go check it out. Link in the doobly-doo, as they say. <laughs> Email us at suggestions at lifenarrated.com. Um, if you need help finding that podcast episode, <laughs> email us. But yeah, so anyway, so there's like over 120-some stories, and even more that have been like, again, like attributed to him. So they're actually stories that are like, they're actually from all over the world, and you know, so their origin might be like in India, but they're attributed to Aesop. Oh, interesting. hmm, Yeah. I know that um, back in the day, I... Not going to say about timing, but Athenians used to have a law that if you kill the wolf, you had to pay for its funeral. So they, they like really, um, revered wolves. And in a lot of places, wolves were like considered nurturers. They were, they were, so they suckled Romulus and Remus, you know, the two mythological founders of Rome suckled them and a she wolf, the she wolf. Mm -hmm. So in Latin, again, she wolf is also slang for prostitute, but we're not going to get into that. It's a she-wolf. <laughs> There's a whole statue of a she-wolf and not of a prostitute suckling them. So that sounds really like being a prostitute sounds really cool. Like, <laughs> like if I was a prostitute, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Call me a she-wolf. <laughs> I, I believe that like Dante also, like when Dante is going through the forest, you know, he encounters a she-wolf and I was just like, so a lady wolf, what? I don't, what is no, this? No, a prostitute. <laughs> You're alone in the forest, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> prostitute. <laughs> what do you do, Dante? That makes total sense because wolves are really highly social animals. Yeah. They're really good parents. They're caring parents. They live in, like, super tight family units, um, and their packs are just uh, one, that, like, alphas are just a mom and a dad, and then the other members of the pack are their children of different generations. Occasionally, another wolf from another pack will join, but usually it's just their solid family. So it totally makes sense that they would be considered nurturers, yeah. except we find in farming communities, you yeah, know, in the distant not. past, when all of a sudden you have to fight, you know, uh, protect your livestock from wolves, wolves become villainous animals. Mm. And, that's, and that continues to today in, like, farming communities in the United States where they still... You know, wolf attacks against people are incredibly rare. Yeah. Um, but they're pretty common against, you know, Livestock, ranching yeah. animals. So we're, we still consider them, like, culturally to be villains. Oh, and I love, too, just talking about, like, the villainy of it. Like, oh, if you get lost in the woods and you hear a wolf howl, there's going to be a pack of wolves chasing you, trying to, like, I guess, eat yeah. you. Like, <laughs> So, like, that that was one thing I never... Beauty and the Beast was one of my favorite That's Disney right, movies yeah. as a child. And that whole scene, I was like, but, like, what are the wolves going to do? Like, they, you know what I mean? There's always a scene where, like, wolves are, like, chasing people. The wolves! Not other sheep or their actual prey. But, like, yeah, you're alone in the wolves. Mm. Alone in the well, woods. Actually, wolves days. are going to eat you. As early as the Bible, um, Jesus describes himself as a shepherd protecting the sheep from wolves. 
Um, and there's a medieval text that says, what can we mean by wolf but the devil? Like, huh. it just, like, gets real serious. <laughs> we do not let anything attacking our sheep. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, right. yeah, like another throwback to one of our other podcasts, the werewolves one. To be a werewolf, you were like, oh, yeah, I met the devil, and he gave me this wolf skin, and now I'm a werewolf. So <laughs> oh, it's Lauren, the devil. I, doing this research, I found out that people who were born on Christmas Eve are suspected to be werewolves. Oh, shit. <coughs> you missed it. As this close. I was actually due on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and I was born two days later, so... Well, t- you're not really suspected of werewolves. Everybody's like, uh, oh. <laughs> There's a bunch of things like hungry as a wolf, wolf in sheep's clothing, wolf um, to wolf something down, mm-hmm. the big bad wolf. Um, and people in medieval Europe used to refuse to eat wolf meat because they thought it was poisoned. Which is wow weird. Yeah. Like, what? Oh, naturalists of the day believed that wolves sharpen their teeth before they went to hunt. It's just like how with their little with their extra set of hands. Yeah, rocks. that makes me think of like a cartoon where like someone has like a file and he's like, yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Rudyard Kipling, the one thing that he ever did for humanity was um, <laughs> it was the first to portray wolves. Um, uh, close family ties. I'm talking about in modern literature. Uh, with close family ties, and he called them the free people. Hmm. Well, so. and we also have like the trope of the lone wolf, you know. Oh, yeah. So that's like a positive one that is like somehow maintained despite. It's it all. kind of romanticized, and mm-hmm. I think um, you had an interesting theory about the romanticization of like wilderness and wolves. And- oh yeah, so like wilderness in general is a pretty new concept like through most of human history wilderness has been a very bad thing you would not want to go there like you don't want to hang out there like the open wilderness is where the devil is and it's where you counter troubles but then during the industrial revolution as wilderness started to disappear and the rise of romanticism all of a sudden it's this like awe-inspiring place you go to rejuvenate and like (laughs) fill up your soul um so it's like super such a new concept and also the way that we think about animals like within the environmental movement has totally changed like we said like there's a real reason why we have a culture of fear around like wolves and tigers like we have to compete for resources in rare occasions we would be attacked by them and couldn't defend ourselves but now that they're disappearing we're like oh the noble beast like, <laughs> we must have done wolves. yeah we if only there them. is some way to maybe <laughs> protect them yeah and actually the um there has been like a lot of uh, conservation efforts in America specifically to reintroduce wolves because, and specifically Yellowstone because Yellowstone just got real gunked up because the, the deer were eating predator. all the vegetation and then the, the river was um, it was like overflowing its banks or yeah it was eroding the banks of the river and then it was just like really like the environment for everybody else yeah because yeah. there's too many deer and the wolves usually keep the deer population in check actually I read about that they have like um, satellite images of, the, of that river and like before and after they reintroduced wolves and like the reintroduction of wolves actually changed the the path of the river it's really yeah. incredible it's fascinating it's like something you wouldn't have thought wolves had any control over whatsoever yeah. but um yeah <laughs> I saw this image in my mind of like a bunch of like wolf engineers out there with hard hats being like alright <laughs> Right, we're going to have to make it move this way. Don't <laughs> give animals jobs. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh, yes. This is another thing. We that... were talking about this earlier, but, like, it just is one of my pet peeves when we, like, attribute 
like when we give animals jobs in media <laughs> because I'm just like animals aren't capitalists like they don't have to work <laughs> for resources <laughs> they don't have money <laughs> she has a problem with Shark Tale because they all work at a, work at a, a car wash doesn't make any underwater sense also, but like, and they're like well, how would you get the soap out <laughs> but why would you even need to wash anything it's underwater <laughs> and this poor little fish is like oh I wish I could have a nice apartment I'm like oh my god <laughs> We're just teaching kids to be capitalists. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about um, the idea, Matt, that instead of a hard hat, they're like, I kind of want the river to go just slightly left, so let's go kill like six deer that way. <laughs> and then, like, you know, it's like, like it's so, but right, I like that's, we understand how like ecosystems work now, and yet we're still like, shocked, kinda. like taking well i mean in the sense that there is we're working better right yeah we're getting better but like that idea it's like oh yeah like you take away all the predators then yeah it's it's a problem so let's talk about predators and prey because the animals that have the big scary teeth allison you made the comments like oh yeah there might have been a time where you know you might have been or and i say like talking about human beings might have been like somewhat helpless or you know even still today they're very 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 rare encounters but it can happen if you are in an animal's territory like like running through the woods or something where you might get attacked by something so the things that are big and scary tend to get a bad rap when we put them into archetypes for stories and we generally like make the herbivores the heroes or the underdogs um, or the victims, just or the to victims. be rescued. Yeah. yeah, I think my favorite example of that is right. Is okay. It is Finding Nemo, but the <laughs> the, the shark, the shark, yeah. the shark therapy group, where the that sharks are trying genius. not to eat fish, and I'm like, first of all, you are a fish. And like, second of all, what are you going to eat? Yeah, like, what are you going to eat? So, they and have, also, he catches like one like sniff of the blood and then goes nuts but in real life sharks are like quite picky eaters and if they chomp a person usually they just like spit them out they're like oh people are terrible <laughs> and that's why people will have like one shark bite and the shark is like no thank you but because they want seals and fish <laughs> but in people. the show they're just like nom, nom, nom. it's like they they actually have they have a taste for their food like they know like <laughs> Yeah, they're not mindless killing machines. They what have their own eating. cuisine, and they prefer it highly over everything else. I think that's because uh, there has been some backlash to the Discovery Channel and their Shark Week recent, uh, like in the last couple of years, because they really do villain, villain, villainize, villain, yeah, villainize. Is that a word? Yeah. yeah, yeah, villainize sharks, and yeah, I mean, another channel tries to <laughs> tries to you know make you understand you know sharks and like they're not always in a feeding frenzy and you can coexist you don't have to like murder them all in order to live basically (laughs) well it's a weird like moralizing which we can get into later but the way that we like think of like the predators as the villains is like putting them into this human context that they don't exist in at all like Like that piece of shit shark that's just trying to survive (laughs) by eating food what an asshole (laughs) that he's gonna eat these seals but we kill animals to eat. Like, we do right. it. And somehow it doesn't, like, click that we do the same thing. To, in almost, if any other animal wrote a story about, like, it's, like, fictionalized life, we would be their number one top villain. And we would be, like, <laughs> the like the evil gods is what we would be. Like, yeah. so out, 
outstandingly more powerful than any of them, and they're like, well, if they want to kill you, they're going to do it. I can't imagine the stories that animals who get, like, bought at, like, auctions, you know, like, like, that you can go and buy, like, animals... That would have gone to like slaughterhouses and taken oh. to sanctuaries. Okay, and it's like, yeah. can you imagine like if they were a human being? Like, if we want to anthropomorphize, let's do that story because that's like big T trauma <laughs> that they would yeah. have to then process in their nice new sanctuary. You know, like, like I, I have it- seen some shit, man. And, like, <laughs> I was saved from the brink of death. Nobody's telling that story. It's like, oh, no, the animals we eat, mm, let's just not even go there. Let's focus on wolves and sharks and bad things eating cute little baby seals. I think it would be funny if we, if someone made a, because um, I'm not going to do it, if someone made a, like, how to not get shot for bears. Like, it's a, a guide for bears on, like, how to deal with humans. Mm. Basically, like, okay, I know that they have tasty food, but if you eat too much of their tasty food, they're going to shoot you. So here's how much tasty food you can eat. If it's in a bear bag, it's in a bag, they don't want you to eat it. But if they keep it out, they're dumb and they don't have a gun. So go eat it. <laughs> or, like, or even go, like, a step farther where it's just, like, teaching bears like how to be cute so it's like yeah. you know it's like to not get you know so it's like oh if you ever encounter a human how to make yourself as much as a cartoon as you can and they'll be like Aww. Yes. and then remind like, them of the, their childhood and right portrayals open your eyes up really wide dip your paw in a jar of honey right lick it off be as goofy as possible if you could learn how to talk that would be ideal rolling around is a plus so actually, uh, Winnie the Pooh is a good. We hadn't, we didn't talk about this in our prep, but like Winnie the Pooh, have you guys ever heard or seen sure. any of the kind of um, discussion about the characters from One Hundred Acre Wood representing different kind of um, uh, aspects of human mental illness? No. Oh no. Okay, so like, well, you are obviously depression. Yours depression. <laughs> Uh, rabbit represents like hypermania. Um, okay. Owl, I think, is supposed to be like Asperger's or autism. Uh, and then Piglet is anxiety. Um, yeah, I can see that. I'm trying to think. You, then you have like you have Kanga and Roo, which could be argued as like you know like a Munchausen's by proxy or Jesus. like a. <laughs> Or, or just like oh you know, God. an infantilizing, you know, that that complicated Freudian relationship between a child and their mother, and then like Winnie the Pooh is just kind of this like sweet, beautiful idiot that <laughs> he's not like that's not a mental oh, health no. diagnosis, but he's just like he, you know, he could he he kind of represents that person who's like very self, not he's like very self aware, but he's also just kind of like. Eh, I think it's interesting that, because um, Winnie the Pooh is based off of a, a teddy bear, and the teddy bear in itself is is an interesting story of, like, PR and how there was this story about, you know, Teddy Roosevelt who wouldn't shoot this bear, and they started making these little fluffy bears, and, like, since then, bears have been, like, constant companions of young children, whereas in the past, it's not really the case. Yeah. Well, Winnie's actually, so Winnie's actually a real bear. It's not the it's not Teddy Roosevelt's bear, but like that whole thing. So Winnie was a um a, a bear that was I think 
I have a book called Finding Winnie, and it's about this story. Okay. Oh. It's, a, it's a children's book called Finding Winnie, but it's based on it. So it's yeah, it's like this. It's kind of messed up because it's like kind of sweet, but it's like the it's like a bear that was like taken bought from like a zoo or bought from like a circus or something, and then oh, was no. because it was little was like basically given to this little boy who's like Christopher <laughs> Robin. Oh no, this is terrible. Yeah, but that whole thing happened because of what you were saying, Emily, like with Teddy Roosevelt and the like rise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of like bears as being like comfort creatures because that's not that's not they're not comf- comfort you creatures they're gonna eat the baby. There's yeah. a recent story about a girl who got attacked by a bear doing the like jogging in the woods thing, and her self defense she lived bless her. When they asked her what she did to try and to like defend herself, she's like, I just. I hugged him. So this girl's getting mauled by a bear, and she reaches up and just tries to hug its face, and eventually it just kind of, like, got disinterested and, like, went away. It got freaked out. <laughs> what happened? No touching. But, like... You're coming out kind of strong right now. But it... <laughs> oh, no. I just wanted to, like, He's maul just not you. that into you. I don't want a relationship. Exactly. <laughs> But she did that because of teddy bears. She did that because of Winnie the Pooh. And, like... I mean, there are things you're taught to do. Like, you're supposed to play dead, not hug it. (laughs) What? Uh, That girl needs to watch. What's that movie? The Remnant? Oh, yeah. Remnant. Remnant, Remnant, yeah. yeah. Uh, So, I want to go back quickly to the idea of predators and prey and how I think... um, a, that, that shapes a lot of like our opinions about a lot of these types of animals and when they're yeah. represented in narrative, like what we expect of them. But also, in that vein, I want to point out that there was a movie made that is exactly that discussion throughout the entire movie, and it's called Zootopia. Oh. Zootopia. <laughs> I knew Zootopia yes. was coming along. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, it's scary. I haven't seen it. Oh man, so good. And it, it's a yeah. an allegory for like race, but also race relations. Specifically talks about like predator and prey as the two like races or whatever mm. in the movie. And uh it's really poignant to this discussion because a lot of the um the prey races are like everyone lives in harmony and it's all cool, don't worry about it. But like there's still a lot of like <laughs> Um, discrimination, like the bunny wants to be uh, a cop, and everyone's like, "Well, prey animals aren't cops. You can't. How are you going to track anyone down? All right, you're, you're not tough. The... Like... Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but it turns out that in oh. the end, I'm going to spoil it for you, Emily, because I do not respect. <laughs> I'm going to take it as <laughs> Guys, if you haven't seen Utopia, it's like three years old. I now. can't hear you. Go ahead. Uh, but it turns out I'll think and tell you what the... to put back in. The prey animal was the mastermind evil one all along. It flips it on its head, uh. along with a lot of other tropes about. Um, the prey and predator stuff. Yeah, I feel like it got kind of murky when it was trying to be a race allegory. You can put your ear your <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Turns out they're bad all along. Turns out everybody's <laughs> shitty. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Again, it's like, yeah, it's like human moralizing. Yeah. It's just not a one-to-one. Yeah, not with animals. But it's also yeah. interesting when we think about predator and prey, like, as like um, protagonists in stories, it's also always centralizes people. Like cats are predator animals. Like they want to hunt, they want to kill things. Like mm-hmm. I let my cat outside, he would be deaf to so many birds. <laughs> oh my god! But but in my life, he's like the like the fluffiest, stupidest, <laughs> you know, cutest little Goodbye. idiot I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, cats are. I, I I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. The term like the obligate carnivore, I think, is, which is like they have to eat meat. 
Their bodies do not process not meat. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, cats is an interesting one because in my early career in anthropology, this was something that really blew my mind that like Western culture was a cat hating culture and a dog loving culture. And like individually we love or hate dogs or cats, you know, as a whole, but as a whole, we hate cats because in movies, whenever a cat is dies, it's supposed to be comedic. It's for comedic effect. Mm. I'm thinking of like Boondock Saints or um, there's a bunch of other movies where the cat dies awfully. Oh, um, that movie that just came out about the, the lady who wanted to, to do a fish man. Um, oh. <laughs> what? What's it called? Is it won an Oscar or whatever? It won an Oscar. Oh, um, Shape of Water. Yeah, The Shape of Water. Oh, she wanted Spoiler to do alert. a fish man. Yeah. I thought you were talking about fish <laughs> band. Like you were making like, a band of fish? Or no, like, maybe like she wanted P-H-I-S-H, like the band fish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. You should just um, say fuck the a fish man. That way we'll know what you're talking about next time. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to deal, like, get rid of the fuck word because mom was so adamant about me not saying fuck. Uh, I suppose. Fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> fuck, mom. I'm so fucking sorry. So fucking sorry. <laughs> well, um, we talk about that lady who wants so- to fuck a fish man. <laughs> The movie where the lady wanted to fuck a fish man. And she doesn't just want to. Wait, she gets no, away uh, with The Shape it. of Water. Yeah. So in The Shape of Water, the fish man eats a cat. It eats a mm. cat's head off. Oh, no. And it's really it's awful. But cats. it's kind of comedic at the same time. And, like, mm. so it's really awful. I just, like, why, that scene is really awful. Why in Western culture are cats, like, dispensable? So I think part of it, I mean, even in the Middle Ages when the Black Death happened, people blamed it on cats which is, like, the opposite of what actually <laughs> happened. And they started killing cats en masse, and, like, which exacerbated the problem. And I think it's just this thing that, like, cats commune with the devil, and they are... People blame them for a lot of sicknesses. In fact, there's, like, spells that involve killing cats in order to get rid of diseases and things like and that. And the whole idea of, like, cat got your tongue, and, like... Oh, which um, is familiar. That cats will kill cats a baby. Will take your baby's breath away. Yeah. And they're familiars, too. Mm. I had somebody say that to me when I was pregnant, and I, I was pregnant, and they and I said something about a cat, and they're like, "Don't let it steal the baby's breath." And I was like, oh, <laughs> "It's not a thing." <laughs> but in Eastern culture, are they so in in Islam specifically? Cats are uh, good friends to people, and friends, Muhammad said that he would prefer to cut his cloak than move the cat if it's sleeping on his cloak. Very contemporary opinion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So basically he's like lying down and the cat lies down on his cloak and he's like, I would rather cut the cloak. Or he does cut the cloak and just lets the cat sleep as opposed to moving him. And one of his right-hand man uh, men were known as the father of kitties. Not cats, but kitties. (laughs) He's the father of kitties. And this actually was told to me by the girls I used to teach in Saudi Arabia. And they're like, no, he's the father of kitties, not cats. And I thought it was a misunderstanding. They're like, not cats, kitties. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. You know. Kitties. Kitties. (laughs) And he used to to keep a a cat in his sleep all the time. It's a great place for the big (laughs) place for cats. And so all throughout the Middle East and throughout a lot of Eastern, uh, Near East, that's what we call it because we are weird about directions. Um, Near Eastern cultures love cats. Turkish people love cats. They feed them. Even in Morocco, there's tons of cats everywhere. Any place that Islam is a dominant religion, people feed cats. They love cats. It's it's completely different. In fact, there are a ton of mosques where um, they either have a cat, a mosque cat, or the um, imam 
feeds cats like on the daily. But in um and in Islam, dogs are actually considered to be dirty. People still do love cat dogs on an individual basis, but there if you pet a dog, you have to clean yourself before you pray. Before you pray, yeah. yeah. So Khaled uh, was telling yeah. me about that. He has a dog. My friend is Egyptian and um is Muslim has a dog and he's like yeah I can't play with a dog right before I pray yeah wow That's... what an inconvenience yeah <laughs> and it's I mean it's the same with um camels they're also similarly unclean they have cloven hooks mm. like pigs um so the same strictures except that Islamic people including Saudi Arabians do eat camel and they also pet camels and they keep camels but they don't but you do have to wash yourself before it's like you an pray. Extra... I mean you have to wash yourself before you pray anyway but if you are traveling, for instance, you have to like dismount and bathe, might, and then yeah. Well, you might skip that step if you're traveling, yeah. or you know, you might do a little like abbreviated version. But you have to like do everything. And it's it's so I I always like really enjoyed learning that like knowing that that's because I I grew up as like a cat person and I and I like dogs, yeah. but I've always owned cats. Mm-hmm. Or they've owned me. <laughs> um, but, like, it taught, like, kind of the, so going back to that, like, genderizing animals. So, like, right? Dogs, masculine. Yeah. Dogs are loyal. Dogs are goofy and can be, and can be seen as, like, like lovable dum-dums, right? While cats <laughs> are feminine. Cats are wily and mm-hmm. manipulative and lazy. Yeah. <laughs> They have no king. They have no king. <laughs> I actually was telling Allison about this earlier. There's the the Discovery Channel has like um a kitten cam or they used to have a kitten cam and it's actually the the kittens that they film are at the the HRA, the rescue organization that we both got our cats from. It used to be very close to my house. And so the room that they film all the time is in there and the when I first turned on I was like, "What the fuck is this?" because it's all pink right and I'm like okay whatever it doesn't bother and there's like cheerleading pom-poms and like all these collegiate things like they're basically implying they're cheerleaders the cats are cheerleaders I was like okay don't give the animals jobs (laughs) don't give the animals jobs jobs. but also like all right fine then there's a poster of a quarterback and it's a it's a golden retriever puppy as a quarterback (laughs) and it's just like what is this? <laughs> Stuck into Bizarro <laughs> Realm. So weird. And there's a human like lip print on it. Like someone like kissed it. Like a smooch. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh my god. It's just really weird. And I'm like, this is some weird genderizing that you've put on these cats. And I, I just don't understand. It almost says more about like how we think about gender than it does how we think about animals that we think like these women are these like untrustworthy, <laughs> like disloyal. They won't do a job, things. those women. <laughs> yeah. And, but the men are like kind of lovable idiots, I guess. <laughs> Who are good at sports. <laughs> They're strong, but they can't think very much. <laughs> right, which is like, which is really like unflattering and untrue on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, right. this idea that like, you know, like a golden retriever is like, you know, so many, such the thing with dogs is that like we, we, we created like this, these breeds, right? So like when you, there are working dogs where it's like they kind of tend to go crazy if they don't have the thing that they were bred to do and, yeah and we did that like human beings did that yeah. but then we're also like that's what a man is like <laughs> <laughs> and it's and like 
because we don't and because we don't breed cats to do those things so they're inherently lazy or whatever you know i mean yeah. they do sleep a lot that's just but also i mean like like, what um, about that is feminine because a lot of times when you look into a household the women are also expected to be the ones running the household so like which is it in in ancient time in viking times i don't (laughs) i'm just gonna call it viking times in viking times when a woman got married she got a kitten as part of her (gasps) household it would help it would help uh, catch the mice. It's a working yeah. animal. It's not like a pet. Just because they want you know, to it is do a pet, it. But it's like, yeah. It's like, oh, it doesn't count if you want to do that thing. Can we talk about real yeah. quick, uh, like, giving animals jobs? Because I agree that we shouldn't, like, put them on the spectrum of capitalism. But we do have jobs for animals that, like... Right. Yeah, you know. yeah. I think that's that's true. valid. Like, there's a whole thing to be said about breeding animals and that sort of thing. And we use, like, dogs, specifically a lot of dogs. Dogs have jobs... We have a whole like line jobs, of books, by the way, <laughs> about what they like their jobs. They like their jobs. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're yeah, totally. We're like giving them outlets for natural impulses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, what we meant was basically not like car yeah, wash. Yeah, don't put them know? in an office. Well, yeah, I understand that. But don't give them <laughs> capitalist needs. I guess. Like, because in my mind, I think a lot about like what kids think about and how kids are like we're raising mm-hmm. them to be adults. And when when they see movies like Shark Tale, let's just throw Shark Tale <laughs> under the bus. I'm just no one's gonna say no. You're the training kids email? to be little capitalists yeah. and and to you know yeah. Anyway. This is like what I need to do, and even the fishes do it. So even the fishes do it. Yeah, you know this is how the world works. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot yeah. of other examples where I, I love, like, 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 so you have Not Good Nemo, which I'm going to call Fishtail, and then, like, Finding Nemo. <laughs> but, like, like, the manta ray is, like, clearly, like, a teacher. And yeah. Like, see, and I feel like, like, that's okay because, right, it's not like a capitalist thing. It's literally, like, an elder teaching the, like, younger generation. Yeah. And I feel like that's a and- much better example. Mm-hmm. And I also mm-hmm. like the fact, since we're talking about it in terms of gender, that it is, like, the manta ray is, like, you know, this kind of, like, Dude. nice, not kind of, like, kind of a grandpa-esque figure I don't know. You don't know how old he is. Yeah. I don't know how old he is. I mean, is, I, but he's he just like... seems younger to me, <laughs> and it kind of is interesting that he, because he's got a young like voice, a nice who's like really peppy in him. Nice I think uncle. we just spent a long time debating where, like, this Ran Ray's backstory. What life decisions brought him to that reef? But he's not getting paid, is right. the big point. Like, the parents aren't coming with, like, with I don't know, kelp. some sort of gold <laughs> or kelp. I don't know. Yeah, they're not saying you can't get into this fancy fish school unless you pay. Right, right. Yeah. right. It's just kind you of just like, oh, this back. is what the kids do, and they yeah. learn about stuff and go on adventures. And importantly, yeah. Mr. Manta Ray likes doing it, and so that's why he does it for himself. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that, again, yeah. that's a much better example of, like, you know, a quote, a Man, job. we should have more Manta Rays in, in our culture, uh, culture <laughs> yeah, and totally. our narratives. Actually, yeah. that's an interesting question, though, because, like, we have all these other ones we've talked about so far, like cats, dogs, you know, wolves, etc., but because we yeah. can easily like identify the traits that we associate with them narratively, but like manta rays like are kind of a blank slate, so we just don't see a lot of those. Oh no, it's not. Oh my mistake. No, it's All not. Right, tell me, because tell me what we... if you have watched the Little Mermaid TV uh-huh. show, the villain was a manta ray. He really? was terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Oh also, yeah. Also, the manta ray did kill Steve Irwin, so I think we all know. No, what we think that. About was... <laughs> We've all forgiven them. That's right. I think as a nation, we can move on. Uh, the, did you guys ever read The Black Pearl? 
Oh. No, I don't think so. There's a, so The Black Pearl is a book that I had to read in like seventh grade or something like that. And it's about, um, but again, not our culture actually. So this is an interesting thing. So we had to read this book, but it was about this little boy who lived off of the coast of, uh, I don't remember now. I think it was in South America though. And they would dive for pearls. They were diving for like oysters to get pearls. And they, there was this, the, the black pearl was like this, it's kind of this like, uh, I think I think if I remember correctly, there is a literal black pearl, but it was also the allegory of the thing that like everybody's trying to like achieve. But the oh, okay. yeah, the the villain was the Manta Diablo, which was the Manta, the devil, devil, the devil manta. Ray. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. instead of like a white whale, it was this giant like manta ray that would like so apparently fuck your shit up. Like, don't hurt. They're people. bad. Well, they're not bad, but in the stories, yeah. What other animals don't we see in a they're lot just, of stories? They're just, they're kind of scary. Like giraffes, for instance. Like, we don't really have them being about giraffes. <laughs> right, yeah. They're not in a lot of narratives. Right, yeah. But, like, manta rays are gigantic. <clears throat> they're larger than people, and they're black, and they have horns. So, like, I understand. <laughs> um, it's actually, like, one of my, on my bucket list to go scuba dive with some manta rays, and I know where to do it, and I'm very excited. But, yeah, they're, like, herbivores, aren't they? I, maybe they eat plankton. Yeah, I they think definitely they just like graze. Yeah, so um, like they're they're not carnivores. There's no reason except that they are black. And also, we shouldn't like vilify carnivores because we are <laughs> carnivores. And also, there are more people than there are almost anything except bugs. <laughs> so like maybe we could lose a few and it would be fine. I think at the end we should have a section that's like. Um, niche animal heroes and come back oh, to yeah. the because there's manta rays i'm sure there's like other ones that like this one time there was this <laughs> do you know who i like dolphins. did you guys ever watch rockadoodle yeah i rockadoodle do yeah rockadoodle was about a rooster who was like an elvis impersonator and so he was like coming from the i know it he was coming yeah. from the farm to like the big city and then the the antagonists were owls. Oh, me. that's right. They were. They always wanted it. They always wanted it to be nighttime, so they were trying to thwart the rooster because he, when he cried, right. he called the sun up. I do not remember the plot of that, but I remember. Yeah, I remember it being terrifying yeah, when I was it's a kid. It's so, so inappropriate. I remember though that was one of those movies. Did you guys ever watch Once Upon a Forest? This rooster has abs. <laughs> <laughs> he has crazy abs. <laughs> Wait, who? The rooster? The, the rooster. The rockadoodle oh, rooster. Oh, like rockadoodle? Oh, okay, so now. He's ripped. <laughs> now I feel like I and need his little to. girlfriend, too, is go up. That's Does she her. Also have abs? Oh, my gosh. Does she what? Also have abs? She. She's like a hot girl. She's, she's pretty hot. She's like Lola Bunny, hot With human hair hot and a weird beak hot. and like a very female like she's got boobs. And yeah, big she's hip. got boobs. Whoa, and we haven't butt. even talked about Looney Tunes. What? Oh yeah. Speaking of hot rabbits. <laughs> hot rabbits. <laughs> mom, mom, turn away. Well, speaking of, if we're talking about hot animals, it's it's gotta be. Um, Robin Hood. The Robin Hood, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that started a lot of furries, I think. <laughs> I think that's why we have furries now, honestly. It's like it's Robin Disney. Hood and yeah, Rocky Doodle. Absolutely Disney. And yeah, it's just Robin Hood, really. That's why we have to be careful about what kids watch. <laughs> this is why I kink shame. <laughs> yeah, who knows what kids will be into next next generation. 
Yeah, but like, listen, well, they're all gonna be cat warriors. <laughs> but like talking about like going back to Rockadoodle, the thing that I thought about the owls, which is like the owls were, were evil because owls are like, I mean, they're intense, like predators. <laughs> they're mind, but witches. they're also <laughs> nocturnal. So yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. oh, you're of the night. So it goes back into yeah. the, the idea that like cats, wolves, owls, bats are another bats. one where bats are like inherently evil because they only except in Fern Gully. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, one. Time. That was like a lesson. Yeah, that was There's, a lesson. The lesson is the forest is a good place. Yeah. Yes. And also the yeah, Tim and that makes sense because is... like the night was like super scary until super recently. Yeah, it's true. And now we, we have, like, so much light pollution. You know what I mean? Like, we we as yeah. humans are like, oh, God, this is so bad. And then we push it into, like, the complete opposite. So it's like, right. So right. wolves are endangered. Light pollution is, like, really gross. And, yeah, <laughs> now the night is romanticized. Like, the night is young, and mm. so am I. And, like, I just always, every time I walk to, by a, like, office building that has all the lights on in the middle of the night, I'm just like, this is, I hate yeah. this. I yeah. hate this so much. Absolutely. Hit it. Oh, yeah. So it's essentially, I think a good takeaway from this is like anything that human beings has have found scary and throughout our like kind of evolutionary progress. So like, yeah, it, like intense, uh, intense, like, okay, pack animals who, you know, are organized like raptors and nighttime and... Um, don't have legs. That's freaky. So snakes having, are bad. <laughs> having horns and being black, yes. I think, is also... Melanin is very bad. We don't want that. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about cows real quick. Um, because you talked about uh, something interesting about cows that you... The bulls... And... Oh, the bull is, like, one of the first things humans ever drew in, like, those ancient yeah, caves in France. There are those beautiful draw cave drawings of bulls. And there's an anthropologist from the University of Penn State that talks about how she has this theory that domesticating animals like helped humans evolve and it was something we really wanted to pass down and so that's why we drew bulls on cave walls um, because this information was so important we wanted to put it on the wall forever mm. make sure everyone knew yeah that's so cool and like, yeah. yeah and cows like have been really um, like for instance you know Hindus um, don't eat cows because they they were like the first things that came out of the storm of creation I guess it's not a storm it's a whirlpool a whirlpool of creation was a, a white cow cool. mm. and so it's a very sacred uh, they're not gods they don't worship them as gods but they're sacred and so there are holidays where they everyone gets together and like dresses up the local cows and um, and it, in fact uh, more than 50% of India is vegetarian so like for them it's not even like oh you don't eat cows well I don't eat any meat so <laughs> right you know and why is that like anthropologically why does India have that so uh, this is a theory this is structural functionalism only goes so far like there this theory doesn't really make a ton of sense to me um, but basically that people who I mean I guess it makes sense people who kill their cows in times of hardship uh, often survive um, less well than people who keep their cows alive so if you're ha hardship milk. yeah you have oh, the milk you have um, but you're thinking oh I won't have to feed the cow and then I can also eat the cow but then when the hardship is over you are less a cow like you don't have mm, a cow to you're down a cow. give milk so <laughs> that's kind of the reason it makes it doesn't make as 
much sense as the pig thing. The pig thing makes a lot more sense in that um, the reason that pigs are considered um, taboo is because they are competitors for resources. So they're omnivores and they also will eat a human. Like if, if given it comes to that, if it comes to it, they will eat humans. So like people, for instance, mobsters own pig farms so that they can just like dispose of bodies. Let's be clear. The pig um, will not do the murdering exactly. No, no, no. But they yeah, will yeah. like take care of the evidence. They're strictly opportunistic. <laughs> yeah. They're not plotters. They're not plotters, pigs. But um, they are omnivores and they're competitors for resources. And so keeping a pig around in times of scarcity doesn't make as much sense because also they don't give out milk or or wool. So it's not like you're getting a benefit from them while they're alive. Their only benefit to you is them dead and also to hide bodies, but mostly dead. <laughs> so Unless you're killing people, then really not much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's a stricture against animals with cloven hooves in um, the Talmud, in the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. So, and that has gone through all the rest of the uh, major world religions that depend on that writing, including, Juda- you know, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So everyone prescribes to this. Yeah. That- so, Emily, what is the thing with the, like, you mentioned, like, the cloven hooves, because that also yeah. includes, like, Camels. Yeah, camels and um, goats. goats. Yeah, but aren't but yeah. goats aren't taboo. They aren't uh, hated with the same yeah. amount of um, fervor. I honestly don't understand the goat thing because it is popular in the Middle East. You know, lamb is popular. Yeah. So it's just like I don't understand why pigs get this. I mean, pigs were called out specifically. So it's pigs and animals with cloven hooves. So See, I always thought it was like a, are, like a sanitary issue. Like if you're cutting a pig, like. I always thought of, like, all those taboos in, like, the Old Testament and stuff like that were, like, more about, like, guidelines on how to live safely. Like, don't get tattoos because the needles are infected and we don't know about germs yet. And, like, don't yeah. eat shellfish because, like, we don't know how to properly cook them. And the same with pigs. We don't know how to disinfect the meat after all the shit and mud yes. they've been rolling around in. Right. And that was a theory for a long time. And, um, in fact, there was a – there was, like, a wave in Judaism where at a certain point – Back in the day, there was a very famous um, Islamic doctor, not Islamic doctor. He was a Jewish doctor to the sultan, so in an Islamic state. And he had the stricture that the reason that we are not allowed to eat pork is because of this, because it's unsanitary, because we can't uh, make it properly with the tools that we have. And then I think it was like the 80s or something, and uh, Jewish people were like, well, I mean, we got it down now. Like, we're good. <laughs> so we can eat pork, right? And so a lot of Jewish people still do eat pork in America right. because they're like, that was the reason that the stricture was given. And therefore, and then so a lot of rabbis pushed back and was like, no, God told us not to do this for a reason. And we don't know what that reason is. And so we should just not do it. Right. And that's part of the, that's right. where part of like the faith comes into it. Like, yeah, you, right. you yeah. do this because your father has told you not to, and you should trust that he has his best interest for you. Even if you don't know the reason, that's part of faith. Yeah, but I think looking at those like ancient bacon. texts are as like as like basic survival guides for the wilderness is like much more interesting than looking at them as like spiritual documents almost. Right, yeah. like, absolutely. How do we get people to do this without <laughs> like we have to? Yeah, invent. we have to make a religion yeah. out of it. So well, like, and yeah, yeah, and and then and then this smear campaign happens, right? So it's like, <laughs> oh, pigs, oh, they dirty, right? Pigs. Yeah, <laughs> you don't even you don't even want to. Know right. what pigs do? Are you like you're gonna put that in your? Okay, I mean, are you gonna put that in your mouth? Pigs are like 
we are very clean creatures. <laughs> right, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, too. We're as smart as a three-year-old child over here. <laughs> this thing's got boogers for days. <laughs> but then you have to also That's think, right. like, this benefits the pig because then they don't get eaten. But they also don't get, like, preserved as, like, because there are, like, more cows than any other creature in the world right now. Being useful to humans is, like, their survival strategy. But then, so, you know, well, but yeah, that's so why it's like I, you have dirty pigs or, like, messy pigs or your room is a pigsty. Yeah, your room's a pigsty, yeah, and everyone, uh, and, and that's, like, from this religious stricture that just never really went away. I mean, because, again, other cloven-hoofed animals are fine, um, including camels. Like, people in the Middle East love camels. They have tons of camel. They drink camel milk. Camel milk is delicious, by the yeah. way. But they just, they, they, and they know that they're dirty because they say, you know, I have to wash before I pray, after I've eaten camel, after I've touched a camel. Nobody tried to milk a pig. We don't know. How good. Oh, I'm sure. I actually, I had to write a story about other weird animal milks and pig Pigs are not good candidates for milking because they do not like it when people approach them <laughs> with that. And um, you get so little out of them that it's not worth our time. Oh, okay. People have tried to milk pigs and it's not worth it's it. It's not worth it. Yeah. They kick. I, I have a feeling people tried to milk everything, <laughs> but I'm glad we know the actual answer. <laughs> I was listening to a, a different podcast and there was a question posed that was like, I know cows have udders. But do they also have boobs? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has this on, uh, it was like my... The best part of the lady <laughs> on the best part of the animal. <laughs> this is how we make your gods. <laughs> just put some boobs on this cow. Oh, wait. Is there a Hindu goddess? Is there a Hindu cow goddess? Because I'm feeling like... There's a there's a void that we can fill here. There's an Egyptian cow goddess. Oh, okay. Her name's Hathor. And she's a bomb ass bitch. I'm just kidding. She's not a bitch. She's lovely. <laughs> she's lovely. She's a mother. Yeah, she's the god of, of childbirth. So all of the temples have like little uh shrines to Hathor where the women went to have their babies. Aww. Yeah. So did she have with the male priest? So I was very curious about that. Yeah. Um, later. But I didn't want to ask our guide because he didn't want to talk about that at all. We did ask him if it was if it were men or women who like birthed the babies. And he's like, men, of course. Yeah, men. It's of like, of course, course it's men. I was like, that doesn't okay. make any sense. Fair question. Yeah. Do you want your baby to die? I mean, get a man <laughs> up in there. Yeah. And she she is um, depicted on almost every temple. Like Hathor, you see her everywhere. She's isn't she Horace's wife? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's so. that's part of the reason. But also, she's like the welcoming. So all of the, when you get there, usually one of the first things you see is Hathor because she's like the welcoming <laughs> goddess. See, that's awesome. Oh. And then like, cause I think about too, like how cows, like one of the shittiest things that like people use to like tear women down is about their like body image. So if you're overweight, you, you know, you're like a big cow. You're a cow. Yeah. You know, so it kind of comes back to how we like gender these things. And so being called a cow is like an insult and it, and it yeah. hurts. Mm-hmm. And then it's a much more effective insult in the UK. I yeah. think they use it a lot more than we do. But like, yeah. But then you go to other places and it's like, actually, she's a goddess. And actually, she's, you know, you could argue that, yeah, she's. She's a, she's a really great woman, and she's the person you want, like, protecting your home and protecting your body yeah. while you're going through birth. Like I saw a tweet the other day that was like, all these people are calling animals chonks and, like, really getting adorable with them. But, like, 
what if I'm fat and I want someone to call me a chunk? <laughs> and I thought that I sat there I and, be around, a second boy. and I was like, can I just call fat people chunks? Real story. We talk about my baby's chunkiness all the time. As we've been podcasting, my sister-in-law sent me a picture of his thigh with like chunk and all capital letters. <laughs> so I think, I think it really depends on how you're using it. And if you understand that the other person is okay with I mean, you have to do that yeah, yeah, Like, if you wanted us to call you chunky, I'd do it, but only because... Okay. I don't feel that way about myself. <laughs> We're taking it back. We're taking it back. <clears throat> We're taking it back. I do want to talk about elephants because um, I heard somewhere, I don't have a reference for this, but I heard somewhere that elephants uh when you examine their brain waves when they look at humans they think we're cute oh no yeah they think we're cute so like the way that we feel when we look at like kittens <laughs> is the way that they feel when they look at oh, us that makes it so much worse <laughs> you posted something recently on social media social media emily where you were like we do not deserve elephants and that is so yeah, so true it was it was so cute because it was like a little video. Um, I follow. I think it was the the Sheldrake um, David Sheldrake Wildlife Trust. Wildlife Trust, and they had this video of all of these elephants just like running around. And like I, I love elephants. They're my favorite animal, and I pride myself on elephant language. And they're talking about this like elephant dictionary that they're creating. And I was like, can I tell what these elephants are doing? And I was like looking at. It, I was like, they're just being silly. And then I read, and basically one of them got spooked. Um, and they're fine, but instead of like stopping running, they all just decide to silly run, like all together. <laughs> like I was just like, we don't deserve a bunch elephants. of sillies all together. So essentially, they're like, they're just, oh, 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 and then they just started laughing and trying to like play it off. Yeah, it's kind of like they. It's kind of like when you like um, are you know, looking, being stealthy and looking for someone, and then you see them, and then you start running, and you're all giggling, and you're like. And it's just it was so cute. I was like, and we don't think of elephants as being that way. I think because they're so big, like right. so the idea of them being. I, I feel like elephants are usually to like draw on their usual like archetypes. Is like elephants are usually seen as being very like ma- very masculine because of their size and very like stoic and very you know like oh the mm. graceful elephant yeah. and and then what? But where does anybody know where that memory thing? Like the memory of an elephant. Elephants never forget. Yeah, they are like super. They. It's true. It's not like it's a. It's true, but I wonder if it was first apocryphal and then we like yeah. learned it was right. True. Exactly. It's just like oh. I mean, it's like one of those things where like they say that um, rhinos are are the fire marshals of the savanna. Like they'll stomp out your fire if you leave. I don't think that's true. I think that's apocryphal. Yeah. Because I've never, I've heard it as a kid because we grew up in Africa and that's something you hear. And it's also in um, The Gods Must Be Crazy, which is one of the best movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, but like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's a real thing. I've never heard that in like a scientific setting ever. Uh, but yeah, well, elephants will like, if they haven't seen each other for years and years and years, if they get separated, they recognize each other. And they recognize their handlers after, like, if they were raised in, um, like, in the Sheldrake uh, Wildlife Trust. If they raise them and they release them, if the handler comes to see them, like, 20 years later, they'll remember the handler. Aww. Like, they do remember. They have, they're, they're incredibly complex social animals. I volunteered for a while with this um, in India with a rescue that rescues elephants from being trained performers in circuses or, um, you know, 
they'll be out standing outside temples you can pay to ride them and they're just abused yeah. horrifically if you ever see an animal or a elephant that you can ride like that elephant is being yeah. used we've done that and i regret it but yeah but um, never again they they have such like complex like he was like introducing me to all the elephants and she's like she doesn't like her and they're best friends and they can hang out the three of them but these two get testy <laughs> and so we've got to separate them and they like to go on long walks but these two like to go on short walks like, <laughs> it's so complicated it's so like cute. a little high school yeah, yeah. yeah. Bunch of new they like to greet each other in the morning they have to like have lunch together <laughs> it reminds me yeah. of like when lumpy space princess like tries to make the wolves in the forest. This is really Emily cut this out. But like there's a there's Not, an episode no, of Adventure Time where Lumpy Space Person goes to live like in the in the forest or whatever and she goes and lives with wolves and then she keeps like calling them names and like like you should be like Stacy, what are you doing here? And the wolf is just like hanging out, like just staring at her. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's so good, though. <laughs> oh, man. I really also want to touch base, because we've kind of mentioned it, but we got to touch on snakes, guys. Because I think yeah. in terms of kind of most, most feared and hated, like, I know more people who are scared of snakes. Like, personally, I know these people who have been like, oh, I hate snakes. More so than, like, spiders or, like, anything yeah. other, like, creepy. And there's a devil in the Bible. Yeah, like, yeah literally. The garden is devil. Yeah. 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 I mean, that might be it. Uh, yeah, is that where they the started devil. to get their bad rap? That's, that's yeah. the beginning of it, definitely. I mean, like, I Hercul- the story of Hercules, when he was a baby, he uh, was given immortality as a baby, so he was super strong and super, and, like, immortal. Okay, I'll say that one more time. <laughs> and um, the way that his parents knew, his foster parents knew that he was immortal is that these two snakes came to him as a baby, and he had strangled them oh he def- yeah he defeated the two them. snakes yeah and they had, so it's supposed to be this situation that's really like terrifying because the baby there's snakes with the baby but the baby actually killed them so they knew that he was a badass at that point yeah yeah i think there's also like kind of a similar um in, in terms of how like a lot of times pantheons are just recreations of other pantheons there's a similar yeah. story about uh thor as a child and how he would like oh. handle snakes interesting so, he's and- you know, in um, some co- uh, Christian cultures, they do the snake handling. Oh, yeah. Which I wish I knew more about that to talk about it because it sounds fascinating. But the whole thought is, like, God protects me from these snakes. Yeah. Right? Like, and it's the, mo- it's the most evil, evil thing that we yeah, can Yeah, they're so handle. dangerous. I mean, I guess if you, like, if you're walking through the dark or or the night or the daytime even <laughs> and you snap a, step on a slithery snake, like, you're gone. Like, there's just yeah. nothing you can do. Yeah. And in fact, the and you don't see him coming. I keep on thinking of Greek myths where snakes feature, and like Orpheus and Eurydice. Eurydice dies by a snake bite on her wedding day. Oh yeah, that's she like gets, the whole plan. Like a lot of this, she a lot of that evilness like derives from just like what a snake is as a creature. You know, like and a lot of the animals yeah. we were talking about are just like yeah, we were talking about like being black or like working at night or whatever. You know, not working. It's just it's from like derives from being like she the creature that they are and like their niche that they uh, fill, you know. Right, yeah. and then we as human yeah. beings uh, just look at things around us and go like, "Gotta put that in a box." And, yeah, it's true. And, yeah, we're like, well, hey, that's bad for us, so it must be yeah. evil. Yeah, right. it doesn't have any feet, and it also it 
it is venomous, incredibly venomous. Right. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the fact that it's venomous cannot be underplayed in this instance, yeah. I think. I yeah. think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And also, did you see the video in 2017 of a python swallowing a man whole? Oh, oh my no, God. I, I absolutely he just, like, got, did not. He just got lost in like a Malaysian sugarcane area and a snake just ate him up. It was, it was, it was a terrifying thing in the world. There, people who own snakes are often like, no, they're adorable, and they'll they'll like take pictures of them with bows on them and like draw little cartoons of them. And one woman was like, I sleep with my snake every night, and I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, it lays down right next to me. I was like, girl, he is measuring you to see if he can fit in his mouth. That's how they do that. Like it was a boa constrictor. No, yeah, a boa constrictor. No, a python, a python, a python. That's the one that ate the man. That's the one yeah. that eats people. And he's, she's, and a scientist was like, literally, it's measuring you to see if you can fit inside it. No. How many times does it have to measure her, though? Like, I don't know. over and over yeah. and over. Maybe it's just like, maybe today wow. she's small enough. Or maybe yeah, he's, maybe maybe he's growing and he's like, it's my birthday. Yeah. Let's see if you'll fit in my mouth. <laughs> Bigger than last year. I am. Oh my gosh. Dude, so wait, so the video? Let's go back to this video for a second. Wait, how did they get this video? They found the snake later and cut it open? Yeah, they oh, cut it open. Okay. And there was a man inside. Oh, oh, that's awful. That is a nightmare. That's a lot. The guy was missing, and they were like, where's Steve? <laughs> oh, my God. Where's Steve? Like, that you know, snake has, like, no a Steve Steve's shape. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Steve-shaped yeah. snake yeah. over there. I've definitely seen photographs of them, like, eating pigs, you know? So it's, like, literally, like, skinny little noodle skinny little noodle that right in the middle is like a huge lump yeah yeah Yeah. it is incredibly rare that like a snake would eat a person i mean they must have been incapacitated in some way like yeah they must have been like exhausted or dehydrated well you're overpowered by like you know right because they're constrictors right so if he like nope because it's not the constrictor. The constrictor kills you before yeah, it, it would swallows. Have to, like, Wait, kill by cutting off their blood flow and then swallows. Okay, yeah. So this this is a python though. That this just is a python. swallowed it. Yeah. Oh, so, so Steve probably died, or was just knocked yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could have been con- uh, unconscious and still alive. Oh, don't happened, say so. that, dear God. <laughs> Think of the family, this Emily, who definitely. The family that definitely listens to our podcast. This is a real bad tangent. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Bring it back. So okay, let's talk real quick about modern day representations of animals in media, real quick. Because you talked about Looney Tunes. Yeah. That was the whole thing. There was the Tasmanian devil, which I think that, first of all, Taz does not look like a Tasmanian no, devil. It's just like a creature that he, they're like, this is what a Tasmanian <laughs> devil looks like. And I think, um, He's not like a villain either. He's like, I mean, I guess he's some chaos. He's a villain. Yeah, he's like uh, neutral chaotic. I think. Yeah, yeah, chaotic neutral. Yeah, I think he. Pe- I think he plays the antagonist to bugs sometimes. Like he gets like upset with yes. him, but like I think overall, he's his whole gain or goal, I should say, is just chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the wolf uh, is the villain in that, right? Is in Looney Tunes. Is there a wolf I mean, in Looney like Tunes? Wiley Coyote. Oh, the Coyote. I think the duck is also usually the antagonist. Oh, okay. Daffy Duck yeah. is like they usually have like a no the hunter. Yeah, I was Elmer. Say Elmer, Elmer Fudd is the antagonist. Mm. Yeah, the dumb hunter. Daffy Duck is like the antihero. Um, Daffy <laughs> Duck is the antihero. Uh, did, did anybody see Life of Pi or read? I the read book? the book. I read the book. Yeah, it's like I saw the it. animals. Can I spoil it? Yeah. Yeah. The animals, he's on this boat. They were shipwrecked and, you know, there's a orangutan and there's 
uh, tiger aboard, obviously. And then at the end, you kind of realize that he had to create animal um, representations of the people on the boat to process his trauma. Yeah. And it was like, the, the tiger was his worst nature. The orangutan was his mom. Oh, and then the hyena, there was a hyena. And the hyena yeah. was the cook who was amoral yeah. or kind of took advantage of the situation. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't like, I again, I'm just like, stop making tigers. <laughs> There's villains actually, are just like living their lives. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think, um, I don't, that one of the books that I read when I was, uh, before I had my baby, um, is this I think it's like a therapeutic thing but it's called name your tigers is the is the thing you do and the tiger is like hmm. your whatever whatever your anxiety is like whatever you're afraid of like you need to name it so that you can like work through a solution or acceptance or whatever it is so that's like a literal thing that I kept yeah why did they do you know why they picked tigers like I what think about the idea is that it's this thing lurking in your mind and tigers are always portrayed as being kind of like Ooh. you know if you see a tiger in the zoo they're like pacing and kind of just seem and there's and they do like right they're they're a stalk like they're a stalking animal right so they will like hunt an animal and like stalk it and then wait for an opportune like moment yeah they're also like 1200 yeah. pounds and like pure muscle and have claws the size of knives you know like yeah so i mean <laughs> it's not a, just a mental thing and they <laughs> They do eat people. Like, they yeah. they do yeah. in the Sunderbonds. They, have you ever seen the the way that the guides dress in the Sunderbonds? They have, like, the, they look like football, like, padding, but, and it goes up past their head, and it's just, like, spikes going outwards. Oh, wow. Because the tiger, they go for the back yeah. of the neck. That's where they, they go, so. Yeah, that's and why it, the spike dog collars are a thing. Yeah. I, is that what you're, and you're talking about, like, people having that, right? But, like. Spike dog collars is the same thing. Yeah, the people who work in the Sunderbonds. And um, there's actually a video of, like, this tiger just coming out of fucking nowhere and jumping onto this tourist, this elephant that's carrying tourists. And it is the scariest thing I've ever seen. I've never been afraid of tigers until I saw that. It was just, like, the scariest thing I've ever seen. Was it trying to get that the people, right, I assume? Yeah, it was trying to get to the people. And actually, the the guide uh, saved them. Because he um, holds out his hand and the, the tiger slashes at his hand. Oh, my gosh. Um, but uh, in general, just goes away. So, so like, what you're saying um, is, like, there's a pretty good reason tigers are villains, <laughs> like, generally speaking. I mean, like, I guess. Khan is, like, not an over-exaggeration, right? Yeah. See, we're watching it right now, and this is making great podcasting material, but he just, like... I would stay... I would say tiger, it's attacking people is still rare in this grand scheme of the world. Yeah. And it's also yeah. And it's also you center people when people are like incredibly villainous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On our own. Anyway. They're um, good mothers. They're really good <laughs> at being mom. I will say yeah, probably yeah. the most accurate animal movie that depicts humans accurately is uh Fern Gully. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Fern Gully. I love that movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Destroying everything. Um, let's do our segment on uh, niche animal heroes. Uh, in the book Ishmael. Yeah, I've read the that. Gorilla. The gorilla. The gorilla. There's a gorilla who's the hero, and he teaches this guy about the importance of respecting. Yeah, what <laughs> is your... I mean, I'm making it sound way more childish than it is, but he basically... Is, it's like, a telepathic gorilla. Yeah. What is man without gorilla? I no, mean, it's a good book. Yeah, explains why 
the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And um, I think the point of that is like gorillas are our pre-selves before, yeah. you know, it, industrialization, before farming, before we settled. So interesting. That's why he's the hero. Aww. Yeah. I think anytime there's a fox, because usually fox are seen as like the kind of villainous trickster. So while he might, yeah. well, he might still be an anti-hero... Anytime you kind of see a fox in a positive light. Or Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is another great movie where you have all these animals. And there's a great scene in that movie where they're, like, trying to get back at the humans. Who Talk about another great portrayal of human beings. You have um, oh, yeah, a good one. The, the three farmers and um, who just go in and, like, tear up the, you know, the wilderness and stuff looking for this fox. But um, they, they have a scene in the film where they're going through all the different animals and they're they're naming their Latin names, first of all. Oh. And then it's just like, you know, what what can you do? Uh, I can run really faster. Uh, I can see through the dark, in the dark or whatever. And then they get to the possum and he's like, or maybe it's the badger. Anyways, he's like, demolitions expert. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a really, I, I love that. I love the story, the... I never say his name right. Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, yeah. There's also um, Redwall. I was just about to say protect- that. You stole it from me. <laughs> Sorry. You go talk about it. No, no, you got it. You're good. Okay, well, the protagonists are mice, and the evil ones are rats, and then and they're like pirate, and they have badgers who are like these very majestic, you know, strong animals, and the rabbits are like... Um, daring do swashbucklers and weasels are awful but there's like something that's close to a weasel that isn't awful otters. and like otters uh, yeah the otters are all, uh, but otters the yeah otters were great i was about to go on a tangent about real otters but um <laughs> we don't need to um yeah so like there's a whole bunch of like heroic care some are heroic and some are not and it's just like it's very, it's kind of racist in a way if you want to look at it that way because there's no like non terrible rats. Like all the rats are terrible, mm-hmm. and all of the the pikes, the um, fish are terrible. They're just monsters. So it's also like a anyway. kids book, you know, like to simplify the like, oh, yeah. factional yeah. infighting of the of that world, you know. And that's what called Redwall. 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 Yeah, yeah. and the first watership one watership down. Yeah, it's it's very watership down, and the first mm-hmm. one actually has cats in it, uh, and the cats are the the villainous like monarchs that are eating people. Oh god, eating the mice, the main the protagonist, the mice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. human people. Yeah, those books are so dope. I always remember whenever the, the badgers got involved, I was like, yes, thank god. Finally, because the badgers are badass. Oh my gosh, how did we not mention the eagles from Lord of the Rings? Because I feel like the eagles are very much the like everything's going to be fine now. The eagles are here. Yeah, but the eagles are here. Yeah. Why didn't we do this from the beginning? Uh, Because there'd be no book. Sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the there's that claymation movie about hens, and I'm trying to remember what is it? Chicken Run. Chicken Run. Chicken Run. Yeah. Um, Happy Feet. Penguins. Oh yeah, Happy Happy Feet. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think that was because, like, at the end, it starts to be about how humans are like messing up their habitat, and so. They're the underdogs because we've started to... Mm. Also yeah. a very good representation of humans. Yeah. When you see him in the enclosure and he's just kind of like bumping up against the wall and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> we've all seen that one. Um, 
<laughs> Rocky Bullwinkle uh, yes. just came to me. Moose and Squirrel. Oh, yeah. Those are two super unusual. Yeah, because they're not usually, yeah. I like that the squirrel is, like, high-flying and, like, a, a um, pilot. Or at least he wears a pilot's hat. I don't know. About. Well, and again, the antagonist is too... Well, they're Russian, right? They're Russian spies. The, they're Russian they're spies. Yes, yeah, so it's humans again. So they're American. Like the, the bad guy. Um, Free Willy also is a whale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know point. what? Killer whales Killer are whale. bullshit, Killer so... Whale. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Killer, what a strong opinion. Coming out strong. <laughs> Yeah, you want to explain that? <laughs> explain yourself. Listen, killer whales are going to eat us all one That's day, what I'm so... talking about. Like, yeah. They... You can't just say something uh, like that and not explain it. What are you talking about? So I think Where are you going with this? I think we well established that Lauren doesn't like whales on this podcast. Okay. And then killer whales are just that next level of like, this is why I will never go like. So what you're saying is it's completely baseless. <laughs> Listen, I it's not baseless because I have something to say about. about um, what are the killer whales? Because they they prey on uh, seals, and they have found ways to like get to seals that are terrifying. Like for instance, the seal will get on the ice flow to get away from them, and they get together and they form a little wall, and they go up to the ice flow, to, and then go under it so that the wave that they created washes the seal off the ice flow. That's interesting, but also like it just speaks to me as like being very effective hunters <laughs> like they're yeah. terrifying hunters and they're gonna so hunt us smart. <laughs> everything is underwater they're gonna eat yes. us be all ma- <laughs> I mean okay no I guess <laughs> I can't say it's not gonna happen so fine yeah so when water world actually takes place it's not gonna be yeah. like assholes on jet skis it's gonna be us trying to survive us versus the, the like people. killer whales yeah Yes, the killer whales who will suddenly bloom in population. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a real paradise for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that might be it, unless anyone else has anything else to talk about. I feel like this is our call to action moment where we're like, hey, there's so many things that we miss when we have these conversations. Mm, yeah. So, like, if you are a human being and not a robot, and you can think of your favorite stories where the main characters were animals or if you have an opinion on how we gender animals or give them jobs like definitely email us at suggestions at life narrated.com that's the yeah. one also charlotte's web the spiders the yeah oh a spider's oh, the protagonist yeah. Yeah. see we're um, bringing things all the time yeah well, thanks, storytellers, for listening. Don't be a tropey dopes. Don't give animals jobs. Hail Sobek. <laughs> and keep telling your stories.